Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you got your Bibles, if you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to uh, pick up. I had cut short the last message because um, I got off my notes. I told Rochelle I could, I could sense after that. I, after about 10 minutes in, I was like, I am not even going to. I barely get to point number one, I'm sure. And so, sure enough, that's what happened. But uh, we saw that we need to remember that we have a real enemy. And so if you got your notes, you see that's already filled in. Uh, we have to remember that. And he has real plans to destroy our lives. He, he's a real enemy. He really wants to do damage to our lives. He really thinks that he can disturb and he wants to ultimately destroy the church of God. We know scripture tells us that he can't do that. Um, but the truth is this. Sometimes as the people of God, we can make our enemy, his job, easy for him. You know, there's, there's things that we, we do that make his job super easy. We can operate in the flesh, and he's like, man, I don't really have to do a whole lot. They're, they're doing a good job of messing things up themselves because they're going to operate in their flesh. You know, we can get upset at other Christians and handle things in the flesh versus hang, handling the way God wants us to handle them scripturally. Um, we can be not committed to the king above our own kingship or queenship. We can make ourselves the king of our lives, or the, the queen of our lives, and instead of being committed to him and his will. And the other thing is this, we can, we're quick to make idols in this world. And the idols can be the idols of self, they can be the idols of money, job, kids, family, um, all kinds of activities, possessions. They can be, we're quick to make idols in this world. And again, the enemy, sometimes all he has to do is be like, I'm just not going to do anything. <laughs> Because they're doing a good job of, of, of making a mess right now. And so uh, sometimes his job is to back off, I think. But we have to remember that he's formidable. And our only hope against this real enemy is to cling to Christ himself, to wholeheartedly go his way and wholeheartedly trust God and his word alone. Because as soon as we get off of that, that's when he enters in. That's when he really messes up. And, and, the, and, the, and the tough part is this. A lot of times our own way our own rationale makes sense to us, right? Because it's our way of thinking. Well, I think that I should do this, or I think that this is okay. I think there's not a problem with this. And we can even sometimes, as I said recently, spiritualize things that aren't spiritual at all. Um, but we can make them sound real spiritual. We can say, well, I've decided this, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, and make it sound like it's of God when we really know it's just what we want uh, or what we want to happen. And so, uh, again, it's important for us to remember that we have a real enemy. So tonight... We're going to look at the second point of what is important for us to remember. And so I want to pray and jump into this. So if you'll pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity to meet uh, in the middle of this week. Thank you for what you uh, did this past Sunday. Uh, we uh, just saw you move and, and, and bless in, in great ways. Lord, I thank you for recent salvations. I thank you for recent baptisms, uh, recent uh, church additions. Um, Lord, we thank you for even, uh, as of today, re recent reconciliations. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for moving in this church. And I thank you so much for answered prayer. God, you are a God that we know loves us and that cares about every detail of our lives. Uh, you, you picked up the sand that you created and, and 
You could have just given us life, but you intimately breathe into our nostrils the breath of life. You care about our lives, God. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we can come to you and we can bring big problems and small problems and, and you, you hear us. And so we're thankful for that. Thank you for answering prayer concerning uh, Miss Debbie. Lord, do we know that you are the God that's on the throne, that's the healer, the great physician, and we give you all the credit for that, Lord. And we praise you. We continue to lift her up uh, for that spot on our trachea. We know that's nothing for you. And even though we don't always understand the journeys and the trials, uh, we trust you alone. And we know that maybe there's uh, the testimony. Maybe it's someone that needs to be touched. Maybe there's um, someone in a hospital or a treatment uh, center or something. And so, God, we trust you, but our, our desire is that you would just heal that and um, that she would be completely cancer-free from head to toe. And uh, we'll praise you for that as well. Lord, we pray tonight that you would just move, that your word would go out, that you would just use me as a vessel. Lord, I want you to be glorified and you honored and you alone. And um, you're the one that deserves it. And so, Lord, we ask that you would move now. We ask and pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our study, the, uh, as we, we go through this and we look in specifically this chapter 2, the Thessalonians had evidently and obviously forgot some things because Paul was reminding them of some things. He was having to kind of calm them down on some things, and that's kind of where we find uh, this point number 2, and we're going to get it right off the bat so you can fill it in if you want. It's this, we must remember the importance of being reminded. We must remember the importance of being reminded. Um, in verse 5, it says, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Again, Paul had already told the Thessalonians these things. Um, they, they needed reminding because they were being shaken where they were at through their tribulation, through the trials that they were going through. And so he's saying, look, don't you remember me telling you th these things? I, this is not a good thing, so it's not a necessarily good story. Um, but some of you have kids and you can relate. But I hear my wife talking to our kids all the time, and then she'll come to me with this frustrating look saying, I don't know how many times I have to tell them this. I tell them this, and I tell them this, and I tell, and they just, what, what, the, the words that y'all can probably finish, they just don't listen or obey. They, they don't listen. And sometimes she'll, she'll, she'll say, I don't know if it's my voice, but you're going to have to go talk to them because obviously they're not hearing my voice. You need to go say something to them. And so, um, again, Paul was saying, hey, don't you remember what I've already taught you? If not, if you, if you don't remember, it's interesting that he is basically saying, do it now. Be reminded right now that I told you this. You know, our, our brains are such amazing things. I recently went to a, a, a meeting, and in this meeting, um, they were talking about um, mental health struggles and that, that churches are, are dealing with today because it's a real thing uh, from, from everything, top to bottom, um, whether it be depression and uh, things that treat uh, depression or, or all the way from that to bipolar disorder and, and, and other other things that, that we face in, in the church, and, and as pastors, a lot of times uh, don't get the equipping to deal with stuff like that, right? And so a lot of times pastors and churches, ministry leaders are just like, you just need to pray about it, you know? <laughs> and sometimes it's a little more complex than that. And through the years, I've, I've studied and prayed and, 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 and gone to, to things and, and read and, and taken classes and all kinds of things, and it's a 
much more complex thing. And, and what, one of the things they shared at this, uh, this um, meeting a couple weeks ago was that um, psychologists for years were, were, were trying to deal, and counselors were trying to deal with people on a subject dealing with the mind that they had less scientific information to deal with about than they do today. And so with the, the, the research and the technology rising today, psych, psychologists and, and counselors have more information at their fingertips to better understand and better talk and better counsel people uh, that are dealing with things. And so, uh, again, increasing technology is, is helping this a lot. But research has shown some things about our brains and how they retain information and how they don't. I came across an article that I thought, you know, I'm going to read a lot of this tonight because it's so interesting to me, um, some, some of the things in this. So this guy is, is talking about uh, how corporations uh, spend, I think he's going to use the information here, $60 million or $60 billion a year uh, to train their employees. Matter of fact, if you're a part of a, uh, a, a, a company, a corporation, chances are you have to go to classes or continuing ed or training or in-house in training or something like that, and that costs. And so people are spending a lot of money uh, to, to train people. So this guy's writing an article on how people retain that information. How, how good is this, you know? I mean, I think all of us have gone to seminars, gone to conferences, and been like, "Woo! I don't know anything what they were just talking about. I mean, just whatever the reason being. But he asked the question, this is how the article starts, how bad is the problem? How much do people forget? Research on the forgetting curve shows, listen to this, and I, I'll put this on the screen so you can see these numbers because it's phenomenal. Research shows that within one hour, people will have forgotten an average of 50% of the information you presented. You know, this is encouraging for a pastor, <laughs> right? No wonder people leave this door and come back the next week and be like, I have no idea. You know, we get home sometimes and we're, we're asking our girls, what, what was Sunday school about? What was, what, and they are like, um, I'm like, were you not listening? Well, yeah, it is about, um, I'm like, it was, you just left church not even an hour ago. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No excuse, because we're going to get to this in a second. People have forgotten an average of 50% of the information presented. Within 24 hours, they will have forgotten an average of 70% of the information. 70% within a day. I mean, almost all of, all of it gone. And listen to this. Within a week, forgetting claims an average of 90% of the information. Unbelievable within a week. Some people remember more or less, you know, based on their, their mind, based on intellect, based on their engagement, based on several different factors. But in general, the situation is appalling, he says. No matter how much you invest into training and development, nearly everything you teach will be forgotten. Again, oh, he says, although, uh, indeed, although corporations spend $60 billion a year on training, this investment is like pumping gas into a car that has a hole in the tank. <laughs> so it's just the truth. I mean, if, if within a week, 90% of it's gone, all of your hard work simply drains away. And it gets worse. Given that our employees forget most of what they learn, we should have no hope that our training will transfer back to the workplace. They're not getting it. They're not going to apply it. I mean, that's just the truth. 
After all, memory is a necessary condition for behavior change. And if your employees have forgotten the lessons of your leadership seminar, there's no reason to expect them to become more effective leaders back in the workplace. Everyone's always bragging about the power of the human brain. So if it's so powerful, why does it fail so often? Why do we forget 90% of what we learn within one week? From the perspective of a neuroscientist, this question speaks to a fundamental misunderstanding about the brain and about forgetting. Whereas most people think of forgetting as a failure of memory, I forgot because my memory failed me. In professional neuroscience, forgetting is not thought of as a failure at all. Instead, forgetting is thought of as a natural, adaptive, and even desirable activity. Let me explain, he says. At this moment, thousands of sensory inputs are inundating your brain, and your brain is busy right now, even us in this room. And our brain is busy ignoring them. For example, sensory impulses are racing from your left ankle, telling your brain about its position in space without you even consciously thinking about it. However, you are not aware of this sensory information until I brought it to your attention because your brain was actively suppressing that input because it wasn't necessary at this moment. Simultaneously, other inputs are arriving and your brain is ignoring them too. For example, your brain is ignoring the background noise in the room, like air conditioners, until I just said it. For example, another example, the clothing against your shoulder. Perhaps there's a faint odor around you. <laughs> Amen. You get the idea. <laughs> At every moment, sensory information is flooding our brains, and our brain actively suppresses most of this information using center surround neural network, networks. This suppression is highly adaptive because by suppressing most information, listen to this, by, by suppressing most information, which all of us are dealing with right now, our body knows there's clothes on it. I, I mean, we know there's a smell, we know there's sound, we know there's light. I mean, there's so much information flooding our brain, but as we're in this place, and specifically listening to a, a, a preacher talk, all of that information is being suppressed. It's, it's, it's being prioritized by our brain, right? By doing this, though, you're now free to focus on what you think are the one or two most essential pieces of information that you're getting in your brain. If our brain suppresses active sensory inputs, it also needs to suppress active memories so that it can focus only on essential information. So, as well as input, also memory. When you think about it, every minute of the day we receive a river of information that's relevant only for a short period of time, right? It's so true. For example, you may have remembered the phone number of a restaurant for a couple of minutes, but then it was no longer useful and your brain managed to quickly forget it. Likewise, you parked your car uh, last Thursday and you remember where it was for the rest of the day, but now the information is no longer useful, your brain has forgotten it. The point here is that our brain needs to forget things that are no longer useful. And this forgetting is inevitable. It is useful. And, is it and it is adaptive because it clears your memory for things that are more relevant. The problem, however, is that in the process of all of this memory purging, our brain often forgets important information. One of the ways that researchers have found that it helps retention is booster opportunities in the hours, the days, and the weeks after the information has been disseminated. 
um, having the brain focused and not allowing it to purge the information as unnecessary. Uh, in other words, um, which is helping me too, because for both uh, leadership development and training and for our workers, but also in messages, because uh, I'm thinking, oh, you know what, maybe I need to start doing something within the hour after a message, you know, because even for myself, for all of us, you know, because if that's the reality, if within an hour, 50% of the information is going to be gone, and then within 24 hours, 70% of it's going to be gone, we've got a window of a short amount of time to be reminded or have booster things, uh, booster opportunities to help our brain connect to some of the things that we learned about. Um, and again, there's different factors in this process, but with all this information and all this, this, this research that has come to surface, the question that came to my mind as a Christian and thinking about in, in spiritual terms is this, do you think that the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit knew the importance of this when he was inspiring the writers of Scripture to write down things? Think about this. The Word of God has been preserved for us for thousands of years. God knows it's important that we would be reminded. But the question is this, like how often and, and how important is this reminding um, for us in our life. Again, the, the Lord designed us and he knows every intricacy of our life, both the good intricacies and the bad intricacies. He knows everything about us. And so with this information, it kind of helps us understand maybe why the Holy Spirit inspired the, the first church to do something, maybe why the Holy Spirit inspired some of the writers to write some of the things to the churches that would be preserved for us today. Things like this, Acts chapter 2, something very familiar to, to a lot of us probably. It says this, this was after the day of Pentecost had come, Peter preached, lots of people were getting saved, God was doing some amazing things, thousands of people were there, and it says this, when they had gladly received his word, I'm sorry, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. Look what happens right after this. It says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and of prayers. You notice the first thing that was listed on that list? They continued steadfastly. That means they didn't neglect it. They didn't back off from it. They didn't disconnect from it. They continued steadfastly in the teaching of God's ways. It wasn't something they said, well, I mean, we really want to have a good social experience here. We really want, we got 3,000 people. We got to keep them entertained. No, they knew the importance. Again, the Holy Spirit leading the, the apostles there and leading this first church. They knew what we've got to do is we can't forget the things that have been taught. And we've got to make sure and teach other people these important things. We've got to continually be reminded of these important things. So it says that they continued. It wasn't just one day. It wasn't just two days. Look on as it goes. It says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And so this is such an important concept. Knowing this scientific information that our brains are prone to forget, knowing that it's important it, just in, in, in plain terms for us to be reminded of things, to be refreshed of things, we see again the Holy Spirit moving in the first church saying, 
You guys need to stay together. You guys need to continually remind each other of these things. You guys need to continue in the, the, the teaching that's been given to the church. And of course, in Hebrews chapter 10, another familiar scripture in verse 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Look what it says in verse 22. Let us draw near. Let, not let us disconnect. Let us, let us separate. Let us space ourselves out. Let's meet together. Let's gather less frequently. No, let us draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast to our profession of our faith without wavering because he's faithful that's promised. And look what it says here. And let us consider one another. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. And let us think about other people, each other, to provoke unto love and to good works. And then he says this. And this is how you're going to be able to do this not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some people do some people have this habit of forsaking gathering but don't do that but exhorting one another and so much more look at that that qualification there so much more as you see the day of the lord approaching so the again the holy spirit inspiring these writers and, and inspiring this first church the importance of being together, the importance of rehearsing the things that God has written down, that God has delivered to his church, is being expressed here. And again, when we match this up with modern technology and modern science and research and information, we realize God knew what we needed, and he knows what we need. That's why it's so important for us to, to be in Sunday school classes that's why it's so important for us to be faithful when, when, when the men gather and, and are encouraged in the Word of God to be sharpened, when the ladies gather to be encouraged and sharpened in, in the Word of God, when, when, when the church gathers to, 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 to preach and, and, and to teach the Word of God in, in whatever capacity, we should take advantage of that. The first church was daily doing it. And the writer of Hebrews says, as that day gets closer, you need to exhort one another much more. You do it more and more and more and more. It's like God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we need more than what we need. Right? Because well, that's where we get. That's honestly where, where it happens. Is, 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 is in, in, our, in our own security. It's in our own thought process. It's in our own pride. It's in our own, uh, our own everything, right? Here's, here's the process. I don't know that I'm going to make it to church. I don't know that I'm going to make it to that Bible study. I don't know if I'm going to make it to this or that because I've got this or I've got that. Or, or I'm just, I don't think, it, why would we do that? If the opportunity of the Word of God in, on a corporate level was being presented and being re reminded, and we were being reminded of these things, why would we not take advantage of that? And so much more as the day of the Lord was approaching. The reason why is because we take it upon ourselves to say, I don't really need that. So you must be inside that 10% of people. Or you must be inside that small sliver of people that can retain the information without needing reminding. But I would argue that that position that you have is evidence that you need to be reminded. Because to have an unscriptural and to have a personal prideful position it's just evidence that we all need reminding, that we all need this reminding that we can't do it on our own. We're weak by ourselves. 
We're, we're like those animals that just need to be separated from the herd and Satan's going to take us down. We, we can't do it. On, that's why he created a body. We, we can't do it without being reminded. That's why he said, hey, you guys stay together. You guys pray together. Be reminded of these things together. You know, we're told in places like Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 that we're to renew our minds and that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. It's something to be over and over, not just, oh, I got it. Oh, I know, what, I know what the Bible says there. We're supposed to be renewed. It's supposed to be cultivated. Not, not just becoming dry, stale ground in our minds and our hearts, but constantly cultivated information. Constantly cultivated the Word of God in our lives. Why? Why is it so important? Because again, as we've already seen, we are all prone to forget. We're all prone to forget. So it's a simple truth and a simple principle is this. Distance breeds disconnection. Distance breeds disconnection. You, you want to feel less connected to the body of Christ, less connected to the Lord, just start missing. I promise you it won't be long, and you'll feel disconnected. That's why he, you, you, you want to feel disconnected from God, stop praying. And that distance will make you feel disconnected. Distance breeds disconnection. So on the flip side of the coin, closeness breeds connection. The closer, the Bible says this, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The more that we draw close to God, the more that we cling close to the body of Christ that he's placed us in, the more connected we feel, the more connected we are. Even when we're talking about the word of God, the longer it goes that we don't dive into it ourselves, the less we're reminded of it. And the less we're reminded of it, and disconnected from it, the less effective it will be in our life. And the less effective it is in our life, the weaker we will be when the tests and the trials come. It's just the reality. If you've ever found yourself where you're struggling with something, a lot of times you can just point back and realize, I haven't been in the Word like I'm supposed to be. And maybe you're in the Word, but you got that, that qualification there. Like I should be, or like I'm supposed to be. You may be reading it but you're not hungering and thirsting for it. You're not, you're not seeking it as, as, as this precious and prized possession. I was uh, at a church planner um, uh, assessment deal uh, yesterday and uh, I was asked to be a part of and, and one of the, the preachers that is looking to be sent out as a, a church planner, um, he was preaching. They had six minutes to preach and uh, before a room full of pastors and, and uh, wives and stuff and and so they were all nervous but this guy he started off with a story and he said i've got a lab he was a duck hunter and he said i've got a lab she's my dog and and he said um for the last two or three years as long as i've had her two times a day same time a day same, same time two times a day 7 p.m 7 a.m nothing has changed i, I can promise you it's going to be the same thing every day this is what's going to happen at 6 p.m., my dog, wherever I'm at, is going to find me and start whimpering and nudging me in, in anticipation for what she knows she's about to get. 
And then at 6 a.m., if I'm still in the bed or wherever I'm at, she's going to come start scratching at the bed, and she's going to start whimpering in, in, in anticipation of what she has. And as soon as I make a move out of my bed, he says, that dog begins to, to, to try to get traction on our wood floors and, and to hurry over to that bowl and wait in eagerness for me to pour that food into her, her bowl so she can eat. She is so hungry for it. She is, she is so ready for it. She is, she is delighting in this moment where she gets to eat. And he said, I really want to be that way with God and his word. Delighting that moment, anticipation. I can't wait. It's, it's almost time for us to gather. It's almost time for us to be in the word. It's almost time to, to be in Sunday school. It's almost time to be at Bible study. It's almost time to do, do these things. I can't wait to gather with the people of God to, to eat of the word of God. Say, well, what if it's the same as yesterday's bread? It's still good. It's, it, it's important for us to be reminded. It's important for us to be stirred up. Again, the further we're from it, the less reminded we are from it. That's why Psalms chapter 1 is so important, and, and, and that's even what he was using. I love Psalms chapter 1. Um, it, it is, I guess I love the word of God. And look what it says in verse 1. Many of you know this. It's, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Look at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And look what it says next. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Day and night. Every day thinking about what it is. And so what boggles my mind is when we think that we've had enough of God's word, that we've had enough of reminding. But the Bible says that the blessed man who doesn't go the path of the sinners, who doesn't go the path of the ungodly, who doesn't have that characteristic of life, the guy who is in favor with God, who's experienced the supremely blessed life, the supremely happy life, is the one that's in the law of the Lord and delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating in his law day and night. And look what happens. It says that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf won't wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Man, delighting in God's word and, and, and it never being old, it never, I, I don't need this, I don't need that. Again, this research helps me. It helps me for myself, it helps me for our church. Knowing this information. Because we already know that we're all fleshly beings. Every single one of us that we have the pull of the old nature in our life. That the old nature is trying to use this brain the way it works. The enemy will try to take opportunity as he sees, try to use it against us. And there's another side to all this as well. This is a truth. We like to be reminded of things that we like. Right? That's the truth. I like to be reminded of things that I like. I think that's true for all of us. There's things that we don't like to be reminded of, right? Some of the things that we like to be reminded of. Things that we take pictures of, right? That's why we have picture albums. Well, now they're virtual albums, right? They're everywhere online. I mean, that's where we're keeping our, 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 our stuff. That's why we watch home videos, the kids and the grandkids. That's why we talk about the things of the past that meant something to us so that we don't forget them. 
Again, stuff that we like. We talk about subjects that we like, like our kids, like our grandkids. Sports, hobbies, shows, movies, activities, etc. We, we like to be reminded, we like to talk about, we like to be engaged with the things. And, and, and so we stay connected to that through that. We stay connected to the things that we like. We're reminded of these things. But again, there are certain things that we don't like to be reminded of. What are some things that we don't like to be reminded of? Bills. We don't like to be reminded of doctor appointments sometimes. I guess what, depending on what they are. We don't like to be reminded of our ailments. You know, I've shared this before. You know, people say, you know, it just changes when you get older and all that kind of stuff. But for years, I mean, I think probably as long as we've been married, just be, I guess because of the sports I played, when I get out of bed, it's like, it's like a popcorn, a bag of popcorn sometimes. <laughs> like my ankles and my knees, like crack, 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 you know. I feel like I can't get moving until I get all those, those cracks out and stuff. We don't like to be reminded of our, of our ailments. We don't like to be reminded of our age. Right? Why are y'all so quiet? Because you're talking about things we don't like to be reminded of. We don't like to be reminded of tests or evaluations or deadlines. We don't like to be reminded of political problems. On and on and on. On top of all this, the reality of it all is we're all in this uphill battle, right? With the effects of time. The older you get, the harder it is to remember things, right? Everything ages, everything wears out, and our brains are subject to that as well. But the truth in this is this. In this life, as the children of God, we are citizens of heaven, not citizens of earth. And so we should have no greater excitement. There should be nothing that stirs our hearts more than being reminded of the things that God wrote to us in his word. As citizens of heaven, there should be nothing more exciting. Man, I can't wait to be reminded of something that God said. I can't wait to be reminded of the promises that God has put in his word for me. I can't, rem I can't wait to get to, to, to where or to that Bible study, that Sunday school class, or that church service. I can't wait to wake up in the morning to read the Bible and be reminded of the things that God has written down and preserved for me to be reminded of. But again, sadly, as part of Satan's disguise, as part of his deception, I believe, today, we've made these things a matter of subjectivity. We've made these things a matter of our preference, a matter of our entertainment, a matter of, uh, again, what, what we think is important. And we've dumbed down, I think, in this. These things that God has given to us as gifts. We look at maybe a, a preacher or a speaker or Sunday school tutor or whatever and we say, well, it, it, it just doesn't, I just don't like it. Because it's more of a personal preference or maybe a, a, a draw to fleshly entertainment than actually of spiritually stirring as we're reminded of God's word. Reading the Bible, an option and not a necessity. Look, there's no doubt that God raises up preachers and teachers. He calls men and, and, and he uses them. And, and, and those men, no doubt, the Bible says, are gifts to the church. But listen, please listen to this. A spiritual gift is not given to appeal to the flesh. Did you hear that? 
A spiritual gift is not given to appeal to the flesh. It's given to edify the saints. That's what a spiritual gift is given for. So when we focus more on whether a Sunday school teacher or a preacher or whoever's speaking, when we focus more on their talent and their ability to keep our attention than we do on the inspired Word of God itself, the thing that is supposed to be stirring us up, the thing that is supposed to be reminding us of the important truth, we have to then, I think, evaluate our focus. What are we focusing on? What's important to us? Is it more, I, 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 came, I didn't come to church because I, I, I just, I, I don't like the way he's, I don't like, you know, that, no, 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 no. I, I'm coming because I'm, I'm, I'm being reminded of something very important, of being stirred up, of, of things that I need to be reminded of. Paul told the Corinthian church, look, I didn't come to you with eloquent, eloquent speech. I didn't come to you with excellent wisdom. I didn't come to you like that. We need to remember tonight the importance of being reminded all of us of being reminded. I shared recently, Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. This do. He, he said, here's this, here's this ordinance. I, I, I'm, I'm wanting you to do this, and I want you to do it often in remembrance of me. Why? Again, because we're people that are prone to forget the broken body and the shed blood. Peter in his second epistle said this, in chapter 1, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in present truth. Peter says, look, I'm not going to neglect to remind you of these things that you already know, that are already established in your heart. You know these things. But my job is to remind you of them. And look what he says in verse 13. Yeah, I, I think it meet. I think it's right as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in, look at that next word, remembrance. He said, I, I think it's the right thing for me to do, to, to, to use the, the things that, that you've been taught, the things that God has given, the things that we were eyewitnesses of. I, I, I'm going to stir you up and put you in remembrance. And this is the reason why, knowing that shortly I've got to put off this tabernacle, this earthly body, <laughs> Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, moreover, I will endeavor, I'll give even greater effort that you may be able to, after my decease, after I go on, to have these things always in remembrance. Just in that. This is the Apostle Peter. This was the one that Jesus says, hey, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. You love me, feed my sheep. You love me, feed my sheep. Gives, gives him basically this commission to lead this first church. He was obviously on the day of Pentecost, the one that was speaking. And then as he's writing this to these readers, he's saying, look, my job is to remind you of what Jesus has already taught. To remind you of what's already been given. Through the end of all things at hand. Well, as we're coming to the end of all things, I believe. Let's remember that the enemy is real and he's active and he's looking to deceive and destroy any way he can. And let's remember, the enemy is really good at what he does. He, he, he knows how to do it. I promise you this. He knows way better how to make us ineffective than I believe we know in ourselves how to be effective Amen. for the kingdom of God. So we're playing on an unfair field if we're operating in our un, 
in our own flesh. There is no hope for, for us against the enemy of God if we try to do it ourselves. That's why it's so important us together. That's why it's so important the word of God and, and to stay close to it. That's our only hope. It's to cling to the resources that God has given. Because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. He that's in us, not us, but him that's in us. So our faith, our prayers, his word, his spirit, the church, again, each other. And again tonight, let's remember the importance of remembering, of being reminded, of staying close and staying connected lest we forget the most important things in this life that are written in his word. Tonight, you're going to leave this place and within an hour, 50% of what I just said is going to be gone. <laughs> By tomorrow, 70%. So I may, if I remember, <laughs> send something out to remind you the importance of remembering. I might need you to email me, though, because <laughs> I might forget. Let's stand tonight, and I want to encourage you. Maybe, you. maybe you say, you know what? I have not been placing the importance on gathering and listening to God's Word. I have not been placing the importance of delighting in the law of God. Just as he was talking about that dog, just in anticipation for, the, for that food. That's not how I approach God's word, and that's how, but that's how I want to approach God's word. Maybe you want to come tonight and say, Lord, help me desire your word more than a dog desires food. Help me, help me hunger more for you, the God of creation, than a dog does for something he knows he's going to get. Let's just respond the way the Lord wants us to. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity again to, um, to be here tonight. And it is special. Lord, it's, impo it's important. These verses tonight that, that many in this room probably could quote. But Lord, it's so important for us to be reminded. And again, even science coming to the place of realization of how easily we forget things. How prone we are to forget. And the, the importance of being reminded of things constantly, over and over and over. And especially when it comes to your word. Lord, help us remember how important it is for us to stay daily in your word, for us to be renewed in the spirit of our, our minds, for us to, to, to draw near to you, for you to draw near to us. God, help us remember these things, not, not to neglect the most important things. I pray that you just move tonight in this invitation. I pray also that you be glorified with our responses to your word and to this message. And we'll praise you for it. We ask all this in Jesus' name.